Amen. Well, it's great to be here. I'll tell you what, I love the excitement. I, I've been a youth pastor all my life, so for me, let's keep the preaching really, really short. Let's play a lot of games. That's how, that's how I operate, so it made me feel right at home. And the viciousness of it. I'm telling you, that is, uh, if you're not all in. That sounds in, bad, like the competitiveness. <laughs> no, competitiveness, that's what I needed to say, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, that's, that's what I meant to say. I, I do want to say a couple things. We, no doubt Satan's going to fight against this retreat this week. Satan hates the home, and he's going to do everything he can. He may, uh, he may, he may uh, call you into work. Or have a boss call, you know, something may go, your air conditioner could go out in the middle of the night. Who, who knows? I mean, stuff, stuff goes on when Satan knows that God's going to work. And so I love what your pastor said just a few moments ago. Do your best to make it a priority. You say, well, is there a priority in going bowling? It's not about the bowling. It's not about hitting a balloon up in the air, although that could be fun too. But uh, it, it's not about that. It's about the time bonding together. And uh, you say, well, we can go bowling on our own. You're right, you can. But there's, again, there's a sweetness about doing it together as a group. And, and I, I want to encourage you to jump in the, the canoeing. There's so many things you said that I, I wanted to make comments on. But for time's sake, I'm just going to... There are some games you don't play together. You know that, right? There are some. We've got a couple games we don't, we don't like to play together. One of those is Taboo, the game Taboo. Is that the game with the buzzer? Or is it, is I that love to play taboo. So oh, she loves to stand right like behind it. me with that buzzer, and as we I say, like <laughs> so I figure if we got we're going to keep a happy marriage, we can't play certain games together. And uh, you know, we, so we, we're careful. You did mention the scavenger hunt. We love scavenger hunts. I mean, uh, we do. We we did one. We called it the Where's Waldo scavenger hunt with the teenagers. And so what we did is we had all the adults go into the mall ahead of time, dressed up as something else. I mean, just, just wild and crazy. And so and we, when we did this, we were all in. Brother Kenny, we did this a number of times. And, and the, the Where's Waldo scavenger hunt became our all-time favorite. And uh, my wife, she, we've, done it, we've, we've probably done it a dozen times. I would, maybe not quite that many times. But I've got a picture of my wife as she dressed up in the mall last time we went to the mall. And uh, that, is, that is my wife dressed up kind of as a, a punk rocker, I guess. I'm not quite sure. So the teens go in in groups, and they have to find, they have to find, by the way, there's me in that, I got caught, and I got kicked out of the mall. And so when you get kicked out of the mall, you know you're, you know you're in trouble. And uh, there's my wife dressed up as kind of a, and, uh, and they're passed around the picture of me, and, uh, which I'm not dressed up here because this was the same, I got caught in the parking lot, the security. Barney Fife came running out there. In his, in, he was actually driving a car, pulled up right next to me and said, what are you doing? I said, going to the mall. And uh, so, you know, you just, you just jump in. You just do whatever you can. And, and so the scavenger hunt today is some of you couples are going to have to dress up and, 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 and get in, incognito. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm making you get up there. Forgive me. But uh, I, we, we've had a great time already getting to know you guys and I tried my best last night as you introduce yourself to uh to uh to write down names and uh and add you to a prayer list and and pray for you this week especially but then also uh, as we continue on um but we, we want to do this together um there's no such thing as a perfect marriage uh, do you remember when you were when you were dating do you remember when you first saw each other do you remember the that 
the sweaty palm. Of course, some of you, we asked uh, the Gobbies if it was love at first sight, and both of them were like, no. They hated each other when they first saw each other. But, but do you remember when, after you started dating and you knew that was, that that was going to be the one? Do you, do you remember that, that sweaty palm feeling you got? You know, you, you couldn't help but sometimes try to get as close as you could. The more you could touch, the better it was. And, and I, my first, our, our first date, my mom was the chaperone. We were in college, and my mom was the chaperone. I'm just telling you. That's, that's the kind of, we, where we went to college, there was absolutely a, a zero touching rule. I mean, zero. I, we were in college, and if I went to get Christy's attention, I tapped her on the shoulder, I, I would get in trouble. I mean, it was zero touching and uh, extreme, but, but uh, I remember because that was the rule, I looked for every opportunity I could to, to sneak a little touch in. I know you're thinking, you're thinking that is so juvenile. Yes, it is. And I am so juvenile. I am. I, I, and uh, we, we had the songbooks were set up in, in the, uh, the, the seat right in front of us and, and, you know, you'd sit down and. And the song leader would get up and say, take your songbooks, your hymn books, and turn to page. What I never reached down to pick up the songbook. Never. I know that was very ungentlemanly of me, but I, I would let Christy reach down and pick up the songbook. There's the songbook. We can turn back to your page in a second. She'd reach down and get the songbook. And, and I knew I needed to be the gentleman to hold the songbook, so she would hand me the songbook. And I'd reach and grab the songbook every time, just like We're that. We're going to get kicked out. And I'm thinking, <laughs> woo, I just touched her. <laughs> And I know it's, that's so crazy. You know, you know what that is? That is that love. You can't get enough of each other. Can, can I challenge you? I know when you were dating and engaged and before you said I do, you couldn't get enough. And then three months, four months into the marriage, you're like, All right, I'm going out with the boys. See you later. You know, we're going out to play ball or, we're, you know, we're going to go golf or, or she's going shopping with. And I'm not saying any of that's wrong. What I'm saying is, is somehow we allow that relationship to start severing just a little bit. And not all that's bad. I, you know, the ladies, you had that, that happily ever after mentality. Um, when I get married, it's going to be, everything's going to be perfect. His dirty laundry will not be in the basket next to the basket. It'll be in the basket. And, and he, he does the same I thing. I do the same thing. One day I texted him and said, I took a picture of it, and I said, you almost scored two points. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah. yeah. I said, I'll try harder next time. And there's no such thing as body odor when you're dating, and, and breath doesn't stink when you're dating. And then you get married, and then all of a sudden it does. And, uh, and, and those little things start getting on your nerves. Can I tell you, sometimes we're guilty of saying things that we know uh, can cause strife, can cause grief. The, and, and I don't know that necessarily we do it on purpose. Every now and then we do it on purpose too. You know, you know you can do something and, and, and it just goads that person just a little bit. And, uh, and we call them fatal phrases fatal phrases in a marriage and this morning we just want to talk about some fatal phrases we use in our marriage that can actually destroy our home they can hurt us in a desperate way the uh, the bible says in in ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is edifying that which builds up can i tell you in your home ephesians 4 29 ought to be a verse that we memorize in our home let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. But that which edifies, that which builds up. Uh, 
And, and so I'm, I'm, I could waste time just talking and have a lot of fun, but let me get to this. And, and, and we're going to work together on this. Uh, fatal phrase number one. Fatal phrase number one. And, and you'll get these as soon as we, as soon as we start giving them. Uh, fatal phrase number one. Well, I guess I married the wrong person. That's, that is a fatal phrase in a marriage. Um, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. He repeats that. Jesus repeats it in Matthew chapter number 19. He quotes Genesis 2, 24. Matthew 19, verse 6. Wherefore they are no more one flesh, but they're twain. They, they become one. Uh, a husband and wife coming together being one flesh. Can I tell you, as soon as you said I do... You're, you're, that's God's will. God puts you together. That's what I was going to say. As soon as you say, I do, they are the right one. So you never have to worry about, oh, did I marry the right one? Yes, you said, I do. That equals the right one. Um, and I, I think this, I prayed a long time for my husband. And maybe you did too. As a little girl, you dream about it and you pray about it. And I just think, who says dreams don't come true? Like, he is my dream come true. just have to yeah. make sure that my focus is right. He's so humble. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, once you get married, they are the right ones. Yeah. So don't even, don't even bring that in. That is such a fatal phrase, and that is something that the devil will use to destroy you. You don't, you don't need to. We get in the heat of the battle, and we start saying things we wish we didn't say. We, we, get, we get angry, we get irritated, and sometimes you start saying things that are hurtful. And one of those phrases that, that really destroys a marriage is, I guess I married the wrong one, or the phrase divorce. The, divorce is, is, is the worst cuss word you can use in your home. And I say that, I, I don't think there's anything more detrimental to a home than when in a, we don't call them arguments, we sugarcoat it, we call them discussions. And uh, every couple has discussions. Can, can I say that one more time? Every couple has discussions. There's not a couple alive who doesn't have discussions. I was preaching at my home church. This has been 10 years ago, and, and I, I, I was a Sunday morning, and I, I said something in the message about uh, every couple has discussions. Every couple has arguments. Every couple has those. And as soon as the service was over, there was a man who came walking forward. His wife was about four foot three, and he had her by, and he's about four foot six. I mean, there, and he's, he's literally got her by the hand, and he's dragging her to the front of the auditorium. And she's literally just kind of like, Ugh. And, and he gets to the front. I had just come down off the platform. I was walking back to get my wife and, and we we're gonna go get something to eat and, and he stopped me he said brother copeland i just want you to know my wife and i've been married we've been married now 30 years and we have never had an argument in our home and he's still holding her hand and he jerked her arm and said honey tell her or, or tell him isn't that true we have never had an argument and she's like uh-huh. and he said see and he turned around and drug her out of the auditorium i i suppose that maybe that, but there's a reason why they haven't had an argument. I, th- I think that's pretty clear, the reason. That, there's no such thing as a perfect home. You're going to have those arguments, discussions. Our discussions mostly happen while we're driving down the road because she can't stand my driving. And, uh, that is not true. It is not his driving. It's his lack of driving. Okay. Yeah. Y'all pray for us. He just notices everything out there. But and the now rest. we're traveling in evangelism. We travel, we drive most everywhere we go. That, that just is a bad recipe. But those statements of, well, I guess I married the wrong one. I guess we did the wrong thing. That's a fatal phrase. Strike it from your marriage. Don't let it, in the heat of the battle, don't let that be said. Uh, fatal phrase number two. My wife winked at me halfway through that one. That wink was, hurry, Copeland. Number two. 
he or she never, or he or she always, let me say it how we usually would say it. Well, you always do this, or you never put your dirty clothes in the laundry basket, or you never fix me the meal that I want, or you never are home on time. Always and never, those phrases, take them out of your marriage. Take them out of your marriage. Always and never ought not ever be a part of it. And the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter number four, verse eight, finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are good report, think on these things. Not the never, not the always. Uh, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We are prone to that never or that always. Um, it, it, just, it just causes grief, and, and I, I messed up there. Number three, fatal phrase number three, you work too much. You're married to your job. You don't have time for me. The job is his priority. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, supplication, let your request be made known unto God. God. God knows every situation you're going through. Proverbs 27, 15, it says, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. When we were at camp, um, the camp director would do girls versus guys, and so he, he came up with the song of it. So he started singing, like, A continual dropping in a rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. And then he repeated again. <laughs> he says, one goes yak, 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 and the other goes drip, 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 drip. And that was, like, got embedded in my mind. I was just like, oh, my goodness. So it gets to the point where wah, 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 almost like if you just nag about it all the time, they're just going to, like, kind of like stop listening <laughs> you know you just kind of get used to it. if your parents were that way and they just da, 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 you just kind of got to a place where it's like okay so better thing to do is just pray about it but also if you just remember ladies it's hard it is hard they do have to work a lot they might be gone they might be out of town a lot but if you remember why he's working he's working for you He's working for your family he's working to provide and that's what we want that is what we want um to the gentleman, I would just say, do make sure that it is a priority when you're home, that you're home. Like, be present if you can. Make time for dates. It's important to her about the family. And it's important to you, too. But sometimes T-I-M-E is the way that families spell love. So that time, and if there's not any little children, there's a dog. We were there, too. Yeah. <laughs> our dog yeah. was we're our baby. Then it's still, it's time with her. You know, just making sure that you're there. Taking the dog for a walk, you know, and just talking or something. But definitely make sure that there's time for family. We, we do all have to work. There's no doubt about it. And, and life is busy. But if all he hears is, you're never home, I just, well, what's going to make him want to come home? It's not going to be that. So... And I think, men, we can help with that a bunch. What she said is vital. I don't know if you caught it. When you're home, be present. Be home. Um, if, if you're like me, the honeydew list is, I mean, it's, it's real long. And the time to do the honeymoon, honeymoon, there's always time for that. The time for the honeydew list is, is limited. So sometimes we feel that pressure of, well, I've got to get this done. This has to be, this is priority. We've, we've got to do these kind of things. And, and if we're not careful, we, our priority becomes doing all the time, and we never spend time together. 
and, and we miss out on what God's given us to each other. He is very OCD with his grass. He loves his grass. It's one of his nothing boxes that he had just do nothing. You know, just that's We've got a lot of nothing boxes. But let me tell you, and this may make me cry, and I'm sorry because it is. I'm in emotions. But your children are going to grow up. They're By the gonna, way. They're going to leave, and your grass is still going to be there. It's still going to have to be cut. And if you let it go for one week and your neighbors think terrible about you, but your children love you. And your children are like, oh, dad went out and threw the football with me or whatever. Like, that's that's what's going to really matter at the end when it's all said and done. It's not how nobody's going to, when you're in the casket, be like, his grass was always, like, amazing. <laughs> you know? Honestly. Or I ladies. I don't know. Why they might. <laughs> ladies. It could be ladies are the ones working. And we would have to be the ones as well. They're never going to be like, oh, her nails were always, you know, like, it's, it's our, your children are your greatest, your yeah. greatest priority. Yeah. So, so. Make sure the work doesn't take, it has to have priority, but make sure it doesn't take priority over marriage. Fatal phrases, you work too much. Fatal phrase number four, fatal phrase number four. Um, you only make time for your friends or your hobbies. Ah, man, how long does it take to play around 18 holes? <laughs> how long does it take to get the boat out on the water and go fishing? I, I, I'm not, I'm not. I love all those things. I really do. I love to sit down and watch a Chicago Cubs baseball game. Minor league game, of course, but a Chicago Cubs baseball. I love to watch it. I love to watch a football game on Sunday. I really love But you're talking about three hours. Three hours of your time. When was the last time you stopped and took three hours? And I'm not talking about to go walk in a mall, although that's important. But when was the last time you took three hours just to show the emphasis to your spouse? that I love you, that, that you're the priority. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number, number 15. Babe, you got that one. Proverbs 27. Oh, we already did that one. I'm sorry. Psalm 1. I've got the wrong verse written down there. Yeah, Psalm 27, 15. That, uh, yeah, anyway, moving right along. Uh, you only have time for your friends and your hobbies. Uh, fatal phrase number five. Fatal phrase number five. Fatal phrase number five. This, you, you have to, if you have a blended marriage or if you've been part of a blended marriage, well, those are your kids. By the way, that doesn't even have to be a blended marriage. There are times in, a, in our marriage where, you know, well, your kids are starting to act like you there, honey. And uh, your kids, they're, they're not your kids. They're our kids. And uh, my pastor growing up, Bob Kelly was his name. He's in heaven now. Bob Kelly used to say this. He had three daughters. And he would say this, the greatest joy I ever got in life was out of my children. And the very next sentence he said was this, the greatest disappointment I've ever gotten in my life was out of my children. It's amazing that the same source can give the good and the bad. Your kids. I, I am a your kids. So my mom died when I was seven years old. My dad remarried. So there was me and my brother. And then when he remarried, then there's two other brothers. So it is, it, we are a blended family. Um, but I will say this, when they came together, we were united. United we stand, divided we fall. That's not just our country, that's our families as well. So no one wants to be put off as somebody else's, especially in the hard times. So no, all of us want to be loved and accepted. All of us want to feel like we belonged. And it's not those children's fault, <laughs> you know? It's not their fault. So making sure that they know that they are loved, that is so, so important. Um, Psalm 127, verse 3, the Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. God's blessed you with children. 
Uh, well, I know we already discussed it, but make that, make that priority there. And don't use your children as a pawn. They'll use you as a pawn. They're going to. They're professionals at it. You were a professional at it when you were a child. But, but don't let those children. We're at the stage now where our children are out of the house, and we are loving it. <laughs> This is the greatest stage of life. I, I, am, I, I, can, I can walk through the house in my underwear. I can, I can eat cereal at midnight. and you know, no big, I can go to the ice cream bowl and just grab the ice cream bucket out of the freezer and just eat out of the bucket. I don't, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be quiet and worry about what the kids say. I am, I am loving it. I really, now, there are the sad times the kids have moved out. I, I, do, I, I understand that. But, but we're loving that. But we look back on it, and, and sometimes we allow the children to, to come between us. And uh, don't, don't ever be your kids or my kids. Fatal phrase number six. Fatal phrase number six. <laughs> you spend too much of my money. <laughs> You're always going shopping. It's Amazon. not how much we spend, it's how much we save. <laughs> yes. Yeah, amen. Say that one more time. <laughs> Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need. God will take care of it. Um, we do premarital counseling together, and uh, we actually had a, a couple, this has been, oh, eight, nine years ago, a couple uh, had come to us and asked if, if, if I do the wedding for them, and, and I, I was sitting in my office with this young couple to get married, and, and uh, we are setting up the date and confirming it, and I had talked to Pastor Norris and made sure that it was okay to do the wedding, and, and, uh, and so we're, we're setting up the date, and then as we set up the first date for premarital counseling, by the way, we, we required them to go through the premarital counseling. I, I won't do a wedding unless they do the premarital counseling. And, and so we're, we're talking about the first date to set up the premarital counseling. And this young lady had the audacity to say, Brother Kurt, would it be okay if Miss Christie is in the premarital counseling sessions? And I remember sitting back in my chair thinking, I'm the preacher. She's not a preacher. Although she can preach at home pretty good. But she's not the preacher. Well, no, no, in my brain, this is going on in my brain while I'm looking at this young couple smiling. Like, oh, and outwardly, I said, oh, I'll ask her. I said, I think she's busy that day. I literally said, I think she's busy, but, but I'll ask her just to see. I knew in my brain she's going to say yes, but I didn't want her there. You want to know why I didn't want her there? Honestly, here's full disclosure. I didn't want her there because she's going to listen to me tell this young couple Hey, young man, here's how you should treat your wife. And she's going to expect me to do what I'm telling this young couple to do. I don't want her there. I don't want her to know this is what I'm telling other couples, but I'm not going to do it myself. And uh, amen, I didn't want her there. That, by the way, it was one of the greatest things, having her there in those premarital counseling sessions. And, and to have her uh, interject uh, from a lady's perspective, here's, here's what, here's what, ma'am, what you can do. And, and here's, sir, what she's expecting from you. And, and I'm sitting back there thinking, wow, this is rich. I needed this when I was, I, it's just an amazing thing. One of the things we tell this young couple is, is man, finances are detrimental in a marriage. Uh, when I say they can be a negative draw on a marriage, uh, one of the number one reasons for divorce in, in a Christian home is finances. We don't have money for this, and you're spending this. And, where's, and, and we'll tell these young couples, don't, don't, when you became one flesh, that's everything. But we as men, we like the thought of, oh, yeah, she's mine physically. Yeah, I get her. Uh, but it's not just the physical aspect, one flesh. It's every aspect of marriage. In other words, all of my money is no longer all of my money. It's now our money. Uh, it, it's, it's no longer her bill. It's my bill. We're together in this. 
And, and that, that money issue becomes a negative draw on a home. We determined long ago, we're, our accounts are all one account. you got a lot to say on this one, too. I'll, I'll be quiet. And, no, you go right ahead. I, I'll, I'll back up and let you go. But our accounts are now together. They're not separate. Go ahead. I just say, like, the two become one, so we do share accounts. I do have, like, a separate account. It's a fund spend money for the house account. But his name is also on it, and that's very important, too. If something happens to one of the spouses, just having both. I mean, it's there for both of us, but it's also, it's not taking out of, like, the main bills and stuff like that. So it's just kind of fun. I'll door dash and put some money in there just because, like, oh, fun, that's fun. I can go buy this. But I will say, make sure that you talk to the other person before a purchase of a big item <laughs> um, and not after. I know of a man in our family, extended family, and he bought a house. He bought the house, the four acres, the everything, stopped, this is back, 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 but stopped at a payphone, <laughs> called his wife and let her know that they were proud owners of a new house, <laughs> like sight unseen, and I know nowadays it's sight unseen, but oh my word, that was not wise. It was probably. a trailer and it didn't so go it was, well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. So anyway, also a family budget, sticking with a family budget yeah. is very, very important. Um, if you don't have to have like a crazy, crazy strict budget, it's still nice to have a budget and save. Um, communicate about the money, obviously, before it's out the door, you know, so you just have an idea. But the main thing that I would say is give. When you feel like it's too hard to give, give. That's when you really, really, really need to give. And I'll say it really fast because we have one minute. <laughs> but, uh, oh, nope. Time's up. Let's pray. <laughs> Um, but I will say this, I really, really, really wanted a swimming pool in our backyard because we were having teens come over. And I told him, I said, we checked it out. I was talking with you yesterday, an above ground pool. By the time you did the deck and everything, it was going to be $10,000. Well, we were in ministry. Minister, you don't make tons of money. So I looked up and found a pool kit. And I was like, oh, a pool kit. We could put that in ours. We For an in -ground pool. could put that in yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So anyway, and if you have an above ground, we had a large youth ministry. So anywhere from 200 to 250, you get 75, 100 teens out there and you have girls over or then the guys over. But they can only bob. Like, you know, like, what are you doing in above ground? Like, this is great. <laughs> Bathwater together. Ooh. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, oh, let's. And before we could even put it in, I said, let's, let's give God. X amount. And he's like, you already know that we're giving so much already. I'm like, I know, I know, I know, but let's do this. Well, the Lord worked it out. So our $9,000 pool kit got put in. It's a $40,000 40, gallon pool for $9,000. Now here's where it gets, it gets better. So I wanted a slide. I have great taste but not the money to go with the great taste. <laughs> I'm like, why do I have to have expensive taste? I, so I found a $5,000 pool slide on Facebook Marketplace for only $1,400. So he had already said, yes, I could give. Yes, I could give this extra. So I was given this extra. Okay, so I find, I find this. It's in North Carolina. We can drive and get it, no, no problem. And I've been saving. And then all of a sudden... Three weeks later, it's just gone. I think the couple went through a divorce. We had a youth pastor go over and double check it who lived in North Carolina. Everything's great. And just, I was like, Lord, I just knew that was my, that was my pool slide. I'm like, I just knew it was. And so I'm hopping on Facebook Marketplace. I'm everywhere. I find one in Georgia. So now it's three hours, not 10 hours from us. God's will. Oh, man. Had he said yes to the first one, we always doubt. But had he said yes, that would have been terrible. Anyway, it's $800 in Georgia. $800.
Okay, so I was like, yes. So I wake him up. He's asleep. I'm like, guess what? He's like, what? what, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, he's like, shoot me the picture. I'll look at it in the morning. He goes and gets it. Okay, I'm getting somewhere. The diving board I wanted was a $2,000 diving board. I looked everywhere. And someone in our church had a diving board. They said, don't get a used one. Be very careful about a used one because it could be like whatever, rusted, all that. So I'm like, okay, finally, finally, I find one. It's 45 minutes from our house. There's no picture. It says brand new. And there was a certain kind that I wanted. I didn't want a floppy one because the teens would kill themselves on it. And so I just really wanted a platform, basically. Looks like a surfboard, but yeah. And so I found it. I called the guy. He's like really redneck. Yeah, I had my girlfriend put it up, but for some reason it didn't make it up there. I'm like, oh, but it's a good thing because had they put the picture up there brand new, somebody else would have gotten it. $200. Okay, now listen. So here's where it gets really good. So from the slide and the diving board, exactly what I had given to the Lord from the beginning to now I have my slide and my diving board, everything I had given to him, I still got to keep back after the purchase of the slide and the diving board to the penny. That was everything I had given him over and above. So in your finances, that's the most important thing you can do. You can never outgive God. So give and give and give till it hurts, not just 10%, not just 10%, like give till it hurts. And then you give so you can get, which is the part that we love, so you can give more. So. And, and that finances, really what has drawn us closer together, even in the finances, is that aspect of giving. Be a giving person. Uh, you know, God gave you a church, and, and we, we haven't discussed anything. I, I'm not here to talk about giving to the church. What I'm talking about is, is God blessing your home and your marriage. When you two together are on the same page in this aspect of giving, uh, it, it takes the pressure of the finances off because you know you're doing something for God. And, and God has promised, God has promised he blesses givers. He promised that. And if we really believe, we believe God's word when it comes to going to heaven, but do we believe God's word when it comes to daily living? And giving is an aspect of, of daily living that takes the bind, the pressure off of you as a couple. Instead of finances being a negative for us, finances are extremely positive. We're living by faith from one week to the next. We don't know where income's coming from. But the, the finances are not a pressure to us. Because we know that giving is such a massive part of the, of the finances. And so be a giver. Uh, number, number seven, just, just a few more here. Oh, this one's good. A fatal phrase in your marriage. Number seven, your family is crazy. <laughs> and amen. No elbows are needed right there. We all have crazy family. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. John 13, 34. I love this. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. You, you, okay, so we're talking about how my wife has, she, she, her mom was killed in an automobile accident. I think she'll talk about that some tomorrow in her, her lady session. But her mom was killed in an automobile accident when she was seven. So she has a stepmom and uh, two half-brothers. And so it's a, it's a blended family. And, and there, there's crazy on her side of the family. And I'm not talking about institutionalized crazy. I'm just talking about crazy. And... Uh, and I've got three brothers, and I'm telling you, I've got crazy on my side. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we've learned the lesson the hard way. You go ahead and then. I was just say, whose family isn't crazy? Like, we all have family. <laughs> Everybody has at least, at least one in your family that's crazy. But it's a package deal. You don't just marry the person. You marry the family. You get all of it. We told our girls that. You marry the whole family. Like, that's super important. Um, 
But I will tell you this, the greatest present that those crazy people, maybe it's your in-laws or whatever, the greatest present they gave you was your spouse. So that's how you, through the crazies, that's how you got your spouse. So they are, listen to this, they're an asset rather than a liability. So your greatest commandment is to love. And if you give that honor to them, you're going to get that honor back. If you have children, they're going to marry one day. And somebody's going to think, we're crazy. <laughs> you know, we are. It's okay. But somebody's going to think you're crazy. And if you love them through it, you're going to reap that back. And that's what you're going to want. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of on our honeymoon. We went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We were married in Murfreesboro. Went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And uh, January 1st is when we got married. So the middle of the winter, which Tennessee doesn't get. We get ice every now and then, but, but really hardly ever snow. But we went to East Tennessee in the mountains and uh, got a chalet up on the mountaintop and, and had a big old time up there. But we were told it was going to be a, uh, a snowstorm coming in. And so we went shopping and got food for the, for the chalet because we were going to get snowed in. Newlyweds, who cares? We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't care about going to Gatlinburg. We cared about the, the room. And so we went shopping and uh, came back to the room, bought steak, and she got potatoes because we're going to make uh, steak, have a big okay. dinner. And I, I, my, my only form of liking potatoes is French fries. And so she was making homemade French fries. She bought the oil. She brought it back, and, and uh, she set it up on the stove and put the oil in the pan and, and uh, turned the stove up, and, and then she cut the potatoes and got them all ready for French fry form. And, and, uh, and I looked over as she was finishing up, and I, I said, is that how you're going to do it? I said, is that, is that, is that how, I said that, and I made this statement, I said, that's not how my mom does it. Yeah, yeah. And she's so, with, with such wisdom. And, and I said it very nicely, I just said, oh, okay. I said, well, can you show me how your mom does it? And so I said, okay. So I went back over the stove, I cranked the stove up to high on the, that, that burner, poured the rest of the oil in the, in the pan. So it's a pan floating in oil that's now boiling. And I looked at the potatoes and they weren't, they weren't uh, clean enough. So I went over to the, the sink and I washed the potatoes again. And I walked I back over to the stove. dried. He went back and rinsed. I, and I went back over to the stove and I said, here's how you do it. And I poured that, those, potato, those, those potatoes, french fries, in, and Mount Vesuvius erupted. And, uh, we, we could not see each other. We're coughing. We're opening up all the windows. And so really quietly, I just said, if that's the way your mama does it, can I do it my way? <laughs> I learned the hard way. It doesn't matter what mama used to do. Right now, I'm pretty this, sure that's not how mama did it. This, this is all that matters. And she may not do it the way that I was growing up. It doesn't matter. It is just submitting to that. And, and, and uh, you married family. Uh, fatal phrase number eight, and just, just two more. Fatal phrase number eight, you're not spiritual enough. He's not. In, in the middle of an argument, you're not spiritual enough. Or you're not, you're not motivating me. Um, I think of the song, He's Still Working on Me. We're all in the process of growing. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 2, um, the, the Bible encourages the wife, that husband is not that spiritual leader. The Bible says by her chaste conversation, I understand the context is about salvation, but I believe that context goes even greater and deeper into marriage. Uh, you, your example in the home, uh, wives, if that husband is not spiritual enough, and generally speaking, that's the way it goes. The husband's not plugged in like they should be. Wife, can I encourage you? You keep doing right. You keep living for Christ. I grew up in a pastor's home. So we, at 6 o'clock in the morning, because we had to catch the bus at 6.30, we had devotions, family devotions. So we got married. I wanted me devotions, him devotions, us devotions. 
family devotions. Let's just have devotions all day. Like, I just wanted all of it. And he was like very, I don't think you ever saw your dad open his Bible for like devotions or anything outside of maybe having it in a church service. So for him, he was very intimidated, very intimidated. He didn't know how am I supposed to lead in this? And he was like, I have my devotions. You have your devotions. I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, ah. And here so, I'm a preacher. Well, I would say just be faithful. Church attendance, be faithful. Um, if he's out of town, go to church. If he's sick and he doesn't necessarily need you, he's not dying or something, um, be there. Um, pray, 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 pray for him to be a spiritual leader. Just don't quit. If you'll be long-suffering with him, because God is with us, it'll go miles. That Remember that, nah, 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 isn't going to get it. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. So we have little girls now, and I would just go to the table. He'd be getting, he likes late nights, later mornings. I'm morning. I'm like, it's beautiful outside. And he's like, you know, it's morning. <laughs> and so I would get the kids at the table and I would have devotions with them. And, you know, you, you do it age appropriate. Obviously, we're not like reading 10 chapters when they're two years old. You know, they're not getting anything. So it was just like a little, a little something. And then we would pray and he would sometimes walk in. Then I was like, oh, would you like to read the verse today? It's like, okay. And slowly but surely the Lord worked on his heart. And I said, what changed you? He said, because you didn't nag me about it because you didn't say you need to be doing this or you need to be. So remember, God's not done with any of us yet. Now, fast forward. Now they're teenagers and God, not right now, but I'm like, now we're in the, in the teenage stage. They're sitting at the table. We went, we learned the book of James together. We learned the book of Philippians together. I mean, it was just neat how the Lord did it and he did it a whole lot better than I ever could have done it. Like God changed his heart. So remember, if they change for you, they change back. But if God gets a hold of their heart, it lasts. Yeah, amen. Uh, fatal phrase number nine. And, and this, let me explain this even before I say this phrase. Um, this, this phrase is when your spouse looks at you and has a concern about someone who you're close with. Um, maybe you're at work and there's a lady, sir, there's a lady at work who your wife, the antenna goes up in your wife's brain. Or you're at church and, and she sees a little a little maybe pitfall, the fatal phrase is this, we're just friends. We're just friends. Um, and justifying maybe a little bit of a flirtiness or relationship with someone else besides your spouse. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, guard your heart, protect your heart. Um, I have a lot to say on this. Um, for, the Bible talks about forsaking all others. There's no reason to be going out to lunch, just you and another lady, or even if it's, you know, like you, you need to build comfort around yourself. Even if you're just friends, there is a difference between friends and flirting. Huge difference with that. Um, but I will say this also, if your wife, or it could be opposite, it could be the husband sees it, like, and he's like, mm, that's something about that guy. Or as a wife, you're just like, I don't know what it is. I can't even put my finger on it, but there's something about that lady that I just, is just driving me crazy. Um, just, and if they're warning you, they're typically always right. Mm. And they may sad. not even be that, able man? to tell you. <laughs> and, and, and like he has a personality that's happy and go lucky and just like he's friends with everybody. And that's a good thing. That's why I love it because I can hide behind that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yay. But sometimes as women, we know how women think. And so something that he said could be taken wrong. So you're there to help him if that makes any sense. So if you sense something, like it's okay to share that. And it's can okay I if you see a flag. interject this? It's for me. She's helped me with that on a number of different occasions. Be careful about this person. Be careful about that. Be careful here. And, 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 and I appreciate that. My number one answer is, Lord, 
There's nothing there. I mean, and that's usually my answer. But then as I stop and look back at what she said and I evaluate it from her perspective, I'm like, oh, wow. She may very well have just saved our marriage by being willing to say, hey, just be careful. And she didn't come to me and say, well, you're flirting. You're like running off. You're having an affair. She, it wasn't Usually like they that. don't even know how they meant it. You don't, like they didn't even mean anything by it. But as a woman, I know how that might be taken, if that makes any sense. They'd be like, ah, uh, maybe that's not the best way to, you know, like, so it's just, it's just yep. a safeguard because the devil hates you. He hates you men. He hates you wives. He, the, the most thing he wants to do is destroy your home. So guard your heart. You've got to guard that. So I don't know, just, yep. it, it's such a very tender thing. So just be careful, but do listen if they have a safe, if they have like a, mm, I don't know, a question about something, just, just listen. Cause they're usually right. We've, we've watched that happen and we've watched marriages fail yeah. when, when some one spouse doesn't listen to the other, like I tried to tell him, okay, well, you know, yeah. so just, just be open. And our fatal, final fatal phrase, last one, last one, number 10. The, the, and we've heard couples say this, I, I don't love you anymore. I don't love you anymore. Or I never loved you. You ever heard someone say, we fell out of love? And, and I'll say this, give a verse, and, and we'll be done. You ever heard someone say, uh, I, I fell out of love? Uh, you know, we, we don't fall into love. We don't fall out of love. Love is not something you fall into. Love is a choice. Love is something you choose to do. In the good times and in the bad, we choose to love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the last verse of that love chapter, now abide faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Charity is biblical love. I choose to love. Every day you get up, when you roll over, sir, you look over and, and see her. Don't let that response be, ah! <laughs> don't, don't ever let that be the response. But when you roll over and you see her, would you, would you, in your brain, would you in your brain say, I choose to love you today. I choose to love you today. I choose to love you today. No matter what's going on, every day get up and say, I choose to love you. You know, before we get married, you're so concerned about finding the right one, finding the right one. Got to find the right one. And I'll tell you, as married couples, the same thing I tell my daughters. Be the right one. Get the right one. Now you've gotten the right one. But it's not about finding the right one. Now it's becoming the right one. Are you, what's it like to be married to you? Huh. Would you want to be married to you? Are you <laughs> becoming what, what you're even wanting um, and I, and I, let me leave you with this. If we, and, and maybe somebody here, I don't know any of y'all, not very well at all. Names, I'm even struggling with that, but I'm working on it. But um, when we drive a car, the Bible talks about looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. When we drive a car, that rear view mirror is there for a glance. It is not there for us to focus in it. And if there's some mistake of a past mistake or a past mess up or whatever, if you focus on that, if you did that in your car, you would wreck. Your focus has to be forward. It's for a glance and look at how far we've come and look at where we're headed, not look at what you did yesterday and last month you did this. And, and so if you just won't focus on the rear view, living of life and just focus on Jesus because how I love Christ is shown in how I love this man. Let's pray. We'll do it. Can I encourage you as we pray and close? Make a commitment to God this morning. I'm not going to, these fatal phrases, maybe some of them, you're like, ah, that's not even an issue to me. Some of them may have hit home because we're all guilty in our, our weak moments of saying some things that we wish we wouldn't have said.
Can I, can I encourage you even right now as we close this session in prayer? Would you pray to God? God, help me not to fall prey to Satan's traps of these fatal phrases. God, help us to have a strong marriage. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you this morning. So grateful for the time together. And Lord, I do pray that you'd help us all to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. God, you've got a purpose and a plan in our homes. God, you put our homes together by, by your specific design. You brought us together. And God, I pray that you'd help every one of us to fight Satan with every ounce of our being because he wants to destroy our homes. And Lord, may you help us not to yield to these fatal phrases. May you get the glory and honor out of our lives, God. We love you and thank you for your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.